Hey guys, I'm your host Smita Kanturi and welcome to Journey Podcast, your weekly podcast on transformational journeys. Hello everyone. I have Christine Enkesi with me. She is a domestic violence awareness advocate and entrepreneur running two online businesses and she's a mother of two boys, a motivational speaker and a podcaster. She wanted to talk about her story about being emotionally abused, physically abused and she lost a child in that and she wanted to, she is helping a number of women today with all her traumas she fought and she is helping other women so i wanted her to tell about her story in her words welcome to the show thank you thank you for having me on the show i appreciate that yeah. please go ahead and tell us like what happened to you and why this journey what is going on around you what kind of help you actually do to the women around Uh my journey has been a long journey so far. Um being a victim of domestic violence um initially didn't start right away because my ex-husband at that time was very nice and loving until we got married and then my my whole troubles started and he started with complaints about little things I did. Everything I did was wasn't satisfying to him. so he had complaints about it and he would get angry and i would get a slap it started with a slap and then it started with next throwing stuff at me slaps hitting punches strangulation you know just it just went on and on mm. i had two of my kids and it was just the it was just disturbing to be in that kind of situation i lost my self esteem everything i needed was dependent on him hmm. everything I, i had to eat or wear was dependent on him hmm. i could not get a job because he won't let me get a job and so as it, it went on and on i had bruises broken ribs a broken arm all of this injuries i had to nurse all of them at home because um you if you go to the hospital you'll be asked if you were uh, a domestic violence victim mm. and if that was told to the hospital professionals they would call the police and that was the issue he didn't want the police to be involved and so he wouldn't let me go to the hospital and so i stayed at home and took care of my injuries by myself and he cared little about what happened to me and so at some point i told myself i need to have a plan to get out of the situation that i was in and so i had to tell him i said please is it possible for me to you know do something at home so that i won't be bored so he was like uh okay what do you want to do i said can i babysit children in in the area mm-hmm. so i started with those in my apartment building i wrote out a flyer and i pasted it and went from door to door if you have children can i babysit your children i'm your neighbor downstairs so two families agreed so these two mothers would bring their children to my place and at the end of the day they decided to be paying me $70 one mother $70 the other mother which made $140 and so that was what i was making so every time i got that money he would collect the money from me and i had nothing to hold on to. So I said if he keeps collecting this money, my plan to get out of here will be unsuccessful. So I started to lie 
mm. about how much these mothers were paying me. So sometimes I would say, oh, they paid me $100 and I would keep the $40 with me. Or sometimes, oh, they paid me $110 and I would keep the rest just like that. Not, you know, just switching up the amounts every time. And so he had issues with us eating food, you know, things like that. He would complain, oh, you people are eating too much food. And sometimes he would just pack his bags and travel and leave us at home with no food at home. And so I had a neighbor who was a lawyer and she said to me, you need to have an exit plan. I told her, I already have a plan. I'm saving up money to get out of here. So she would, once he was not around, she would take me and the children in her car to a food pantry where we would go and get food. And I would have to hide that food so that he wouldn't know we went out to go get food. Mm. And it continued like that. So finally, we, the final thing that just ended the whole situation was when he tried to stab me with a knife because he was angry that I was on the phone talking and I was laughing. If I was happy, he didn't like it. If I was laughing, he didn't like it. He wanted me to be in a state of sadness. I should be you know, crying. It gave him joy. And so he ran to the kitchen and took a knife and was like, you're talking to men on the phone. You don't let me go out. So how in the world would I be on the phone with a man? And so my older son was like, dad, don't, don't use that knife. I said, if you use that knife, you're going to jail. And so, so I quickly took up my phone. My mother was on the phone. She kept yelling, please don't kill my daughter. So I said, let me call you right back. I need to call the police. So I called. And when he heard me calling the police, he scratched himself on the face and he started bleeding all over his face and said, oh, see what you did. I'm going to the police station. He went to the police station to tell them that that was what I did on him. Mm. So by the time he had left and the police responded to my 911 call, two police officers came, a male and a female. So I was, they were asking me what was going on. So I told them, this was what was going on and how long it's been going on. It's been going on for years. So the female police officer took out a card and said, go to the courthouse. This uh, nonprofit called House of Ruth would help you out with your court problems. Because by the time he came in, he came in with- happening for years. Why did you not try to get out of it? Or like reach out to police prior to that? I had tried. And every time I picked up the phone to call the police, he would take the phone away because he bought the phone and mm. he felt I'm the one that bought this phone. So you are allowed to call whoever I choose for you to call. So if we had arguments, he would take the phone away mm. so that there was no way if he did something, I would be able to call the police. Yeah. And I wasn't expecting that that was what he would do. So when he takes it, I'm left helpless to seek for help. And he would lock the door so I can get out and call the neighbors for help because that was the next thing I can do to get help. So it just kept on and on. So before he starts an argument, he will argue about a phone and take the phone away. And then the argument starts, then the beating starts. He has my phone. I can't do anything about it. So that's that was his tactics mm. you know, trying to prevent me from calling the police mm -hmm. and so it just it, it 
uh, one time I was able to call the police. I ran, I had to run into that bathroom, lock the bathroom door and called the police. So when I, he heard I had called the police, he ran out of the house. And then when my son said, oh, mommy, he, he ran, daddy ran out of the house, I would come out. And then when the police come, comes, where is he? They can't find him. He won't come back to the house for the next two, three days. So there was <laughs> nothing, nothing the police could do. So he, he really planned how he would behave and what he would do. And so that was how I was asked to get out of the house. The police he came with said, ma'am, you have to get out of the house. I wasn't allowed to take anything out of the house. Hmm. And at that time, my, my second child was only about a year. Hmm. And so no diapers, no baby food, nothing. No clothes. The clothes I had on was all I went out with. My kids, what they had on was what we left out with because they were like, please, you have to get out of here. You have to get out. I wasn't given any chance to take anything. And so as we stepped out, we're escorted out of the house, like 10 miles away from the house, because that's the order. You're supposed to get away from that place totally. So while we sat there, someone drove past and saw us. He's, he was a retired uh, Marine veteran. So he stopped by and saw us sitting down by the roadside with little kids and my older son. And it was almost the winter time. So it was getting cold. Mm. So he picked us up. I was like, I don't know you. But he said, I'm just here to help you. I'm not going to do anything to you at all. I'm not going to put you in any danger. I'm just trying to help you. So that's how he helped us. Bottles, clothes, food for my little son, everything. And took us to his place. And later on, he yeah. said, okay, I have to get you into the shelter so that there will be paper trails to show that you went through this situation and you'll be able to get all the help you need. Mm. So got into the shelter where we're there for a year, only a, a year, almost a year in the shelter. And while I was there, I got in touch with the House of Ruth that helped me with um, my court cases because he went to the police and to the court and said I was the abuser and claimed all kinds of stories. So I had to get a lawyer. I didn't have the money for the lawyer. So, but that nonprofit helped me with pro bono lawyers who were able to handle my case. And so that's how we went. Nothing was done. He was asked to go, even with all the pictures and proof of domestic abuse, the injuries, I had all of it. Hmm. Still, the justice system just failed on that part. So I, I just said, okay, it's, it, or what is done is done. I'm just going to move on with my life. I'm going to go get the help I need because at that time, emotionally, I was just down. Mentally, I was. It, it was like I wasn't myself anymore. Mm. I had lost my self-esteem. Everything about me was like I was worthless. So I needed to get help to rebuild me again and to get sure my to make sure my own children got help because them seeing what happened my one-year-old you know he's still a baby but my older child had saw seen all that was going on so he needed to you know see a, 
a therapist so we could talk about what was going on and then in the process of doing all that and being getting help from this nonprofit organization to get myself situated i started planning on going back to school and starting my own business i had to get a job first so i could have the money i needed to start my own business which i now have two businesses now i'm in medical school you know i'm pursuing the things i wanted to do for me mm. at that time when i was with him he wouldn't let me do anything all my dreams and ambition just died because when you don't have someone who is there to encourage you and make you go forward in life you just lose yourself and lose everything about yourself so and that's how i started mm. i got myself together now i'm you know i'm okay i'm good my life is good i've decided that okay i need to help other women who have been through the same similar situation i've been in is hard when you are on the streets you have no place to go if you don't have help you're stranded right. and so i was in in all the processes i've been through i was able to get resources for me that helps me so right. now those same resources that i got along the way is what i now use to help other women who've been through domestic abuse mm. some of them want to do go and do a vocational school maybe learn catering and cooking or you know go into the medical field i have resources that would help them where they can go to school on scholarship mm. what they have to do and you know move on with their lives because how where would i get the money to go to school but i was able to get scholarship and with that information i'm giving it to other women to better themselves so that's what i do i've helped a couple of them and now we form a group where we we sit down now with the coronavirus we can't physically be in the same place we usually have a zoom um meeting where we talk and we all discuss our challenges what they're going through emotionally mentally and that's what we do and then we we help more families help them with um housing help them with food help them with uh, medical insurance how to get their medical insurance how to get their certificates some of them can go back and get their certificates from their abuser's home so now we have to help them get all those documents they've lost along the way so i have resources that we use to help them out get it maybe driver's license or they want to learn how to drive all that resource we make it available to them and then we follow up to make sure that they are okay and then we have um like sessions where we can talk and then they can say okay this are the challenges i've been through i'm going through what do you suggest what help can i get so that's what i do. and and that's something i'm very passionate about because i know what it is to be abused i know what it is to uh, you know cry every day i know he doesn't care about how you feel i know how it is how to struggle when you have children you know so that's what i currently do right now and so yes that's 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 my story that's how, how somebody uh, find you that you are actually giving this kind of a help how do i what how can somebody find you to understand okay. that you are giving this kind of a help 
Okay, um, they can send me an email, you know, give me full information on what they're going through, if they have their court orders, uh, documents to show they've been through abuse. I need all those documentation. Uh, they can, they can. My question is like, even for them to reach out to you uh, through an email asking for help after the fact, but even to understand that you are giving this kind of help to reach out to you. Like for example, I'm going through something and I, somewhere you are giving help. How do I know that you are the person giving that kind of help? Do you publish uh, yourself somewhere? Okay, yes. Yeah. So I, I haven't uh, put it out there with mostly how people get to know is with the little group I have, the few women I've been able to help. They're the ones that do word of mouth. Maybe they have friends or someone who has been through it. They reach out and say, okay, Christine, I, I have someone who is going through abuse. Then I'm able to get in touch with the person and talk. We talk one-on-one -on -one to find out what they're doing. So currently right now I'm doing it on, you know, on the low, just helping those around me. Mm. So that's what I'm doing. So I'm working on the process of getting a nonprofit set up so it could be why I can cover a wider range of other mm -hmm. women. So I'm just starting with just about a year old. So mm -hmm. we're still, we don't want to just rush and just pick up yeah. some in a, a large number. We're just working. We're not many. So it's, it's a tedious process. You're trying to help someone get their life together. It doesn't happen overnight. So right now we're doing it on the low, just peak. This month we'll take maybe three families. We help them next month. We take two. It just depends on mm. how we're doing it. So by the time we have everything set up, then I would have uh, people who would reach out and then I would have to put it out there. If you need help, this is who you can get in touch with. So right now we're just working on the low and do by word of mouth mm. to pull around you know so that they can get in touch and they can get the help they they need but right now we're restrained because of the coronavirus and what's going on so but we try as much as we can to get get them the help that they need mm. Mm. so yeah. what kind of a help exactly the resources is one thing you're mentioning when you're mentioning uh, that you will help like three or four people depending on the month or like the situations that you have. Yes. What sort of help are like different things that you provide to the other women? Okay, first of all, if they have no place, for instance, they have no home, they have no place to live, mm -hmm. they don't have relatives to they can live with, we would get in touch with um, shelters first of all, we'll get you in a shelter first. So you know you have a place where you lay your head down to sleep mm. and the shelter will provide you food. So while you're in the shelter, next thing we're trying to do is to make sure the legal aspect of your case is handled. Mm. Okay. While you're in the shelter, we know you're in the shelter, you're okay, you're safe. Now we have to deal with the legal part of your issue. So we know that is dealt with. Yeah. before we start helping you with uh, getting your house because you cannot, we cannot be trying to help you get a place while you're battling your legal issues. We have to make sure you get a lawyer. If you don't have money to get a lawyer, we'll help you with that. Knowing that, okay, we, we're trying to figure out your case with legal, 
we do that. And then when all that is all done, because we know legal cases don't happen in one month, it could take a while. So, but we want to make sure that you have somewhere to stay. Mm. And we have um, shelters and transitional houses that would give you a place up to a year mm. where you can stay while you fight your legal battles mm-hmm. and get over those legal battles. That's what we do. And while you're getting that legal battle, we're putting you in therapy mm. so that you get your mind right. Yes. At that time, she's angry, she's bitter, she's hurt. Her emotions are all over the place. Yeah. So we're going, dealing with your emotion, how you're feeling about yourself and all of that. So make sure you're working on yourself internally. So that's what we do. We work on you having a place, your legal battle, your emotional state and mental state. We deal with that. And then we go ahead from there to help you with maybe a job or you want to go in and start learning a skill. Mm. We would always suggest go and learn a skill. So you know you have a skill you can do whether wherever you are. Mm. Now with with what's going on, everybody needs to have a skill that they can use to make money for themselves. So we usually suggest go and learn a skill. And we'll put you, we have four or five skills. If you're willing to learn them, we put you in those skill classes and you go through them in a couple of months, you're done. You have your certification free of charge. No one is charging you for those things and you get what you need. You have a place, you know, you can cover all of that. If you, if you are a determined woman who doesn't just want to stay and just get help, you want to move forward. Yep. We'll help you out. And then we would give you, we'll make you write um, a goal plan, write a goal. What are your goals? We would follow those goals with you every step of the way to make sure those goals are accomplished. And where if we notice that you're not willing to be helped, we withdraw our, our help from you because we want people who want to get out of what they're going through. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, we're doing our part. Also, the woman too has to do her part while we're helping her out. So we want you to be okay. Your kids, okay. Especially if you have kids, we want to make sure you're okay. They're okay. If you have younger kids, you need childcare. We'll help you out with where to go to, to get childcare vouchers. Mm-hmm that can help you subsidize voucher rates. So we do all of that stuff mm. with you. We'll hold your hand. We'll make sure you go through that process and making sure you're okay. So that's how we do it. So currently right now, we're not doing it on a large scale. We're doing it on a small scale till we're able to set up the legal aspect of the whole nonprofit. Yeah. Yeah. So we could get grants, help, financial aid, to help us with everything that we need. You know, we also need buses to pick up these women, you know, and make sure they get to where they're going to. So we're just doing it right now on a low scale till we have everything we have all down, written down, so. That's amazing, amazing. Yes. So everybody that are working with you, helping you for this cause, are they volunteering at the moment? Yes, they are. They're, they are also victims. They themselves have been victims of domestic violence. And these are, we're four altogether, four women who are doing it. I started with one who was a friend mm. and she invited someone else who mm. was 
a victim. And so she has gone through it. She's fine. She has everything. She has a, she, she's settled. So we have four of us who've been through that violence and are now using what we've known mm. to help other people. So we're four, four women who are doing this currently. Gotcha. Yes. So the tragedy that you have, you made it as your purpose to help other women in the same conditions. Yes, absolutely. To help them because I know how hard it is, you know, to, to be in that situation. And there are days I have stayed almost that year without money in my pocket. I know it is not to have money in your hand. And so we, we, we would help as much as we can to make sure you're okay, your children are okay, and you, you get your life back together. So we've, been, we've done it almost a year now. It's come with what we're doing. Have you ever heard anybody telling you, like, you stayed back with him, it is your fault. You should have gotten out sooner than before. Like, have you ever heard that kind of a comment? Uh, yes, I should have. You know, sometimes um, some women just stay because they, they're of their children. But it's best to get out as soon as possible. I would have gotten out sooner if all the people I had reached out to had helped me. Mm. But my ex-husband bullied all of them. And so no one wanted to help. Mm. No one would be insulted by him. So I was by myself. So I couldn't get out. If you can, if you are able to get help, if you have someone who can help you to get out, maybe a friend, a, a coworker, whoever you can talk to about your issues and they can help you get out, get out. Mm. I would have gone out sooner if I had help from mm. people outside, but I did not get the help that I needed. So uh, it, it took me a while, a long time to be able to get out of that situation. All I was just like, God, please just get me out of this. How do I get out? Where do I go to? Those were the questions. I don't have money. Where would I go to? Who would help me? And then I was still pretty new in the US. So I really didn't know where to go because where do I go to? I wasn't going anywhere. The only place I, I knew around was the store, my children, my son's school, and then maybe anywhere he decides for us to go to. But if you ask me where we went to, I did not know. Hmm. So it was hard finding my way out because I was, I had no clue. So, but gradually I was able to make friends with a neighbor mm. who helps me. So sometimes if people, you know, don't help you reach, find out from people who, who are strangers to you, you'd be surprised. Maybe your next door neighbor might just be the, the savior or the angel that you need to help you get out of that situation. I was just able to make a good friend out of a neighbor who was help, able to tell me that you can get out. And if you need the help, we would, I would help you get out. Mm. So and that's, that's, that's what a lot of women need to do. Seek out help. Don't be afraid to ask for help from anybody. You just might be, you just might be surprised who is, will be willing to help you. Yeah. You just be surprised who is, who's be willing to help. So I, I encourage people to not just keep quiet with what they're going through. 
So when they say, why didn't you get out? It's, it's hard. You have to consider your children. If you're financially not okay, you have to consider that as well. So I would always say, make a plan. Always have an exit plan on how you want to get out mm. you know, of that situation. You just have to have a plan. So, so no, out. you're a single parent. So yes. Was, was your husband, is your husband still uh, in their lives? Is he having custody for your children? Yes, he's still in their life. And we parent from a distance. Mm -hmm. And um, I've gotten to a point where whatever he does right now does not bother me at all. Mm -hmm. at, at first, it would trouble me. You know, I would that same feeling I used to feel when I was with him would just come up and I would be all sweaty and just anxious when he was around. All that feeling is gone. Mm. Now I have control of my life. Mm. I have got to a point where whatever he does right now does not move me. Mm. So I try to parent with him from a distance. And what I will always say to these women is, try as much as possible not to be confrontational with your abuser. Mm. Because I never tell what they have in their mind that they want to do to you. Mm. So as much as possible, if you have kids and you're trying to parent together, co-parent, Make sure all your conversations are via text, through text messages. Yeah. Do not do phone calls. Mm. Just in case he says things, you need proof. Yeah. If you need to go back to court mm. concerning your children, mm. have, or if you even have to do phone call conversation, record those conversations mm. and have them. Text messages, save them because it, you don't know when you would need those texts or calls mm. when you get to court. Anything might just happen. And mm. so I parents with him from a distance. I keep my distance and I he picks them up where their cameras recording. So if anything happens to me, it, it was recorded on those cameras. They can see it that he put me in danger. So that's what I do. Be in public places. Make sure you have your phone recording whatever is going on. If you know he's a very aggressive and violent person, you have to ensure you secure yourself. Mm. Look around your surrounding when you get there to, you know, drop off the kids or he's picking up the kids. Be aware of your surrounding because you never can tell what they want to do next to you. Now they've seen you have your life in order. Mm. So that's what I will always say. Uh, when I'm with him, I'm on a defense mood. My mood changes to defense because... I'm ready for whatever he wants to do. So that's just it. And also we put these women in um, self-defense classes. Mm. Oh, okay. Yes, we started that recently. We just started that self-defense. So you know how to defend yourself oh in case you're close to the person mm. who's been your abuser. So we do that. And the classes, we do that once a month, but we put a pause on the classes we're trying to get it on Zoom. So from the comfort of your home, we have you, you're recording, you're doing it. And we keep the identities of the women confidential. We don't disclose. Okay, thank you for tuning in. And you can find me on all the socials at Smetha Gunturi and the show notes for any resources mentioned. See you next week. Take care.